afternoon. afternoon. And welcome to Why Is This a Thing? Adam Hall across the table from me, Nick Evangelista, MIA. Yep, gone. In a, might I say, spooky fashion? <gasps> He's missing. Maybe we'll find his remains in a park with a bag of. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> talking about Brian Laundry. <laughs> and what's her face? <laughs> oh yeah, Gabby. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is spectacular. the last week of it it's the last chance i get to do that yeah. for a whole year so and it's not out of your system you I know, but. best believe i'm gonna get the most out of that button right there that is not true by the way you find a way to work that thing into shows constantly it's true constantly it's true it's the only button on my soundboard with a, a graphic what the fuck you like that it's a pumpkin guys a little glowing yellow pumpkin a little jack-o-lantern i love it a little jackie that's adorable uh we have some business to attend to before we get to today's featured programming. Yeah, so let's do it. Oh, these are the mics I know, I know. These are the mics I know. These are the mics I know, I know. These are the mics I know. David Hoffner, he works in my... Mic draft! Let's look at the results. <laughs> wow. Man, the song remains the same, doesn't it? Oh, boy. unbelievable. So I, uh, I've, by the way, I've been compiling stats for the Dave drafts since as far we, as like who's won, who's lost. We've been doing this now for over a year. So yeah. we have like a pretty good sample size in terms of how we all perform and whether or not certain results have been flukier than others. Oh. I will reveal some of those stats next week when Nick was here, but oh. the stats department has been hard at work and there have been some eye opening findings. Eye-opening trends. Trends? I'll just say that I've gotten screwed in these drafts. Ah, well. Gotten seriously fucking screwed. Uh, But was it anything that I did? At at times, certainly. Oh, okay. At times. (laughs) I just want to, again, just point out. Third place, Adam Hall with three votes. Yeah. Bringing up the rear. You would be shocked how many times you came in last place in this. (laughs) You would be stunned. Again, we'll reveal next week who averages the most votes week to week. Well, yeah, I know. Well, you're not doing a good job at teasing. It's obviously you. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I hate about your your version of storytelling <laughs> when it comes from your mouth. Oh, I wonder who the killer could be. It's Nico. <laughs> I'll just say his name might start with N. Mm. But it might end with an eco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Nick won again. Yeah, yeah. Mike's I know, I know. These are the Mike's I know. I think he should forfeit his title. You think so? What do you I, mean? He's not here. Oh, <laughs> we, I didn't even know we were doing this. You don't show up. Like, hey, Kay, hey, I, I would have no idea if I'm in Nick's place. 
cut him some slack. Actually, he won again. It's kind of frustrating. He won by one vote. Yeah. And I feel like my Francesa heads let me down. I'll be honest. You know, maybe not the biggest voting block or uh, certainly not as big as I thought it was going to be. Probably certainly not. Yeah. I, you know, I thought <laughs> I got screwed for picking Michael Myers over f- fucking Mike Myers. It was a bad strategy from you. I don't care. Bad strategy. <laughs> <laughs> what? How is that? <laughs> Who looks at that list and thinks that that's a better choice? I'm sorry guys, but Mike Myers in 2021, like Jesus. I mean, picking a guy named Trent might've hurt you too. Yeah, I, that's true. I agree. No, but this is the thing that I always do is I always pick like, I, I don't care as much about, stra- I, I usually have one strategy pick uh-huh. and then I don't give a shit about the rest. Right. <laughs> the rest are usually me picking with my heart and it works maybe, I don't know, 50% of the time because I think I won three times. Uh, I believe you only won two, but I have to check the stats on that. I won Dave, Robert and Paul. Oh, shit. Because my memory's great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then you'll also remember how much you got destroyed in the other drafts. Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah listen, I'm upset at my Mike heads, but or for my Francesa heads, I should say. But you know what? I, I'll go to the grave with you guys. It's all right. Hey, it got you pretty far. Yeah. Yeah. I stand behind my... my Use Mike your head. nougat. <laughs> what the hell's it? Oh, my God. <laughs> We live in a world now where you are going to be more concerned with the gorilla than you are the little boy. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? I, I love people who are completely unaware of how ridiculous they sound. Jesus. I mean, it's fantastic. But like, does this guy listen to himself? Use your nougat? Use your nougat. What the fuck is a nougat? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't regret it, Mike. It's you and me, baby. Uh, okay, let's let's do this. Let's get into it. I, I'll just say this: this is the end of our uh, our spooktacular. But this has been a conversation that has been floated around since the very beginning of this podcast. This is a movie that we've had on the hypothetical list that doesn't actually exist for now over six years. Um, oh wow! So, yeah. So neither Zach nor Nick are here for that. What a shame. Right. <laughs> and I think, uh, given that it's me and you, and sometimes the podcast, when it's just me and you, go in a very cinephile direction. Um, just know that we're going to get in the weeds, I think, on a film perspective here, mm-hmm. uh, r- rather than just like, you know, making fun of Vince Vaughn. But uh, there's something to talk about with that, though. Yeah, there is. Th- this is a really interesting movie that I had not seen until really. This. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh. I think maybe I had seen bits and pieces of it. Um, I definitely saw like the shower scene and okay. like I was aware of its existence and all that. Um, but I had not sat down and been like, what would it be like if Gus Van Sant made Psycho? <laughs> Well, this is f- pretty interesting. I, I, another movie, I don't ha- know if I've seen anything quite like it. But, like, I mean, I don't know how this is going to play to people who have never seen the original. It's a, I think that's a fascinating question. I'd love to have someone on. Yeah, do you know anybody that's like that? No. No, that's the thing. Yeah, certainly not, right? But it would be, I, I've always thought it would be somewhat helpful because I think a lot of the interesting insights that we glean from this come directly from the fact that we love that remake so much and that it's at least very, very important to the me. original so much. Yeah, 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 yes. original. And seems very important to you. Uh, yeah. And a lot of the reasons why this one is so bad, spoiler, is 
sort of in light of what it's trying to do with the formula of that original or certainly the style of that original. And I suppose it's it's attitude in adapting this for the new, so to speak. Um, but yeah, man, this is what is it trying to do, though? I guess that's my larger well, question. It, it is certainly an experiment. It's it's yes. a, it's an experiment over the idea of, uh, I guess, direct translation. We just talked about this. We literally just did with 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 Dune. Yes, which is a film that I adore. But I mean, I mean, Dune one, Part Two coming. By the yeah, way. yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I did. See, okay. knew it. That didn't take long. Yes. Uh, Dune Summer continues, everybody. Dune yeah, summer. yeah. Will never end for for another like five years. Kill me. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. But like, interestingly enough, I think one of the criticisms you were coming at it with too was the fact that it was maybe a little too close to the text, which I disagree with a bit. But um, the- well, the idea that when you um, you know when when you have such a slavish devotion to mm. the source material it kind of stunts your ability to do creative things. Well, yeah, I, that, that can be true. I think the opposite can very much be true. If you just have a sheer passion for the material and you choose to represent the, a story that has never properly been shown before and so, new and interesting things can come out of that. I certainly think that was the case for this new Dune film. Right. Um, but there is a difference in um, sort of adapting the spirit of something and saying, I just want to copy that. Literally copy it. Like, uh, I, I think the movie you were talking about when we talked about Dune, in my head, is The Outsiders. And that's an interesting film where okay. I, I saw it and, like, the the strictness to the novel felt like it just didn't work cinematically. I hate that movie. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I really don't like it at all. I remember it, it, seeing that in middle school because I loved the book when we were assigned oh, in middle school. Oh, looks great. Yeah. But that's, like, again... And I that's sh- Coppola, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if you were to... If we're talking about shot-for-shot shot stuff, like, that is shot-for-shot shot, the book. Correct. And it drags, and it, it, it doesn't emotionally make sense... Sure. ...in a lot of ways. In a ways that... It, and again, but Dune is one of those novels that, or, you know, at least the movie anyway, is able to take it and have a little more fun with the imagination for some of the visuals that are described in the book, and it can kind of branch off in interesting ways while still keeping that spirit. Yeah, but at least um, Dune serves the purpose of we're going to translate it so another one of your senses can enjoy it. Sure, right? exactly. Like that, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there is at least a a logical reason yes, for it. Yes, 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 yes. You yes, know, yes. even... And now, I, I do think, like you said, though, it is an interesting thought experiment to be like, okay, people want a literal adaptation. What does a literal adaptation look like? But more importantly, what does it feel like? Sure. Which is more important to me than anything. Sure. Um, <laughs> this is, here's the thing about this movie. I've seen, it's been a long time. I rewatched it. It uh-huh. had been, I don't know, five, six years since I last saw it. And I was sort of baffled by it when I saw it as a kid because Psycho is one of my favorite movies. Um, you know, I got to admit now, it's not good. It's not good. Mm. But it is so interesting to watch as a fan of that original movie right. yeah. that it it's kind of enjoyable. Only yes. in that way. Only yes. in that way. Well, that's sort of the thing, right? The experiment <laughs> is, can we do well at the box office and achieve something artistically by mimicking a classic, literally a Hollywood classic, just making it again, like beat for beat. Right. (laughs) Can we do that? But really the experiment is how good of a filmmaker is Alfred Hitchcock and how bad of a filmmaker is Gus Van Sant when caught, when going for the same material, right? Sure. It is a, it's an exploration of auteur theory. And I think in some ways it proves auteur theory where in other ways it disproves it, right? Like it does in some ways, 
sort of bolster Alfred Hitchcock's credibility if he ever was like in search of credibility. Right. Like, you know, it 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 proves that like you literally need a genius in order to make a movie like Psycho work. So in that way, sure, a true theory got it. But also there is so much to filmmaking beyond like camera choices and editing choices and 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 score right and that's this movie does it's absolute best to keep the script exactly the same there are a few deviations in dialogue but there's really not that much no every shot is basically the same every pan and zoom is basically the same and they literally bring on danny elfman to do the bernard herman score again but there is more to it and there is more to it sometimes beyond the director's control like i don't really blame gus van sant for all of this because again he is just committing plagiarism that is he (laughs) he is doing it under the guise of like some larger artistic mission but he is doing what a forger does to a painting right he is doing what a plagiarist does to a Mm. written essay he's just copying it to the best of his ability and that magical something that's in the ether is not there anymore. And I think in some ways that sort of, uh, you know, it doesn't 100% contradict, but it somehow flies in the face of this idea that there's one person making all of these choices in a controlled <clears throat> vacuum, right? There's a magical sort of essence to film. But that's sort of why the auteur theory in this instance makes a lot more sense to me because it just sort of says like, there is an uncanny quality to the way stories are told and how like some people just have a better helm of them. Yes. And I think a lot of the thing that this comes down to as well is uh, again, probably the way we watch films, you see psycho and a lot of the decisions make more sense because of the timing of that movie. Whereas this, they just feel strange, Mm -hmm. but also there's a, there's a deliberate choice with the way certain performances are cued Mm. versus the way they were back then. Mm. And, this doesn't have that completeness and that general understanding. Like the, even though like you could call elements of psycho, like, like heightened, there's a completeness to those heightened qualities within the movie's world. So it's tighter, it's sharper. It's, I I think part of it is the color, but also just part of it is the craftsmanship. Mm -hmm. Um, I like whoever edited this movie is not as good an editor (laughs) as whoever edited the Hitchcock movie. Um, there are times, yeah, he uses the exact same pan, the exact same zoom and it doesn't have the same sort of oomph to it, mm-hmm. you know? I I think if you want to examine this movie, you don't even really need to rewatch the whole movie. I think a good way of doing it is just watch the uh, We All Go a Little Mad Sometime scene. Yeah. And see just the stark difference in how they're technically the same scene. Sure. But it's fascinating to pick up on what makes one scene really different tick and get under your skin and the other one just feel strange and awkward Mm -hmm. and just not fully realized yeah and it's the little things a lot of the time well that scene in particular i think is if if you want to just know why vince vaughn doesn't work that's all you need to see i mean when he the guy says a a boy's best friend is his his mother a man's best friend is his mother like that just sort of rolls off him like a you know, I think he's used to playing like a broy guy in Swingers, and he approaches this character with that like sort of broy energy to it. Like he he's not that much of like a an outsider. He's not that strange. When he does the laugh at the end of his sentences, it's not really like a creepy repressed laugh. It's kind of like a forced. forced. Yeah, it's really forced. So like that, I think in particular is like an, as an acting exercise, it's like, that's why you don't try to do what Anthony Perkins did with this character, you know, <laughs> which is a conversation in and of itself. How right. Good I mean, that's a whole other Perkins thing. Is. But you're right. But even in that scene, 
the way the owls are shot. I was thinking the same thing, you know, (laughs) the way they're positioned. That was another big thing that I was noticing. Yeah. Bothering the hell out of me. Yeah. Uh, There's a, there's, there's, it's tiny. You wouldn't notice it, but the owl in that scene is actually looking directly at Vince Vaughn, whereas in the Hitchcock version, it's looking directly at the camera, yes. which creates this really unsettling feeling of like, you, you want to be focusing on Anthony Perkins, but you feel like there's eyes on you at all times. And and it takes a while for that to develop, but the scene just goes yeah. and goes and goes and it's just paced to perfection. Whereas this other one feels like it's trying to get to the fucking point. Yes. And I just don't think that attitude works at all for m- most of this movie. That honestly feels like a lot of the movie for me. Yeah, so much of it. It's really. We should, by the way, explain because we're not on the film nerd show. That no. what our tour theory is. Um, you know, it's this idea that sort of like came about in the fifties and sixties, actually, kind of earlier than that, and it was in direct reference to Alfred Hitchcock in many ways. Yep. But it was this sort of um, this idea that developed in France by guys like uh, Jean Luc Godard and Francois Truffaut that uh, filmmaking is not simply a commercial venture. Um, and it, it is, uh, more so the, um, artistic expression of one person. So mm-hmm. you, you can't necessarily look at a, a movie as just like the sum of all its parts. You have to look at it in the context of someone else's career. Yes. Um, much like you would look at a Shakespeare play as, you know, in the totality of Shakespeare's, um, uh, uh, entire sort of repertoire, that's what you have to do when you're watching Psycho or North by Northwest. You have to look at it in comparison to Vertigo. What is Hitchcock <laughs> saying about himself? Sure. Um, and so, you know, I think you still have it to this day, right? When when you're talking about a film, the first thing you talk about is who's directing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's often the, the, the last person build in the credits. Um, oftentimes you'll see like, you know, Lee Daniels is the butler yep. in the title of the movie because he has authorship of the story. And yeah, I think this movie in many ways is just like, okay, can you do your best Alfred Hitchcock impression and still fool the audience into like a compelling cinematic experience, much like you can fool them into thinking you painted a Vermeer, even though you didn't paint the Vermeer. (laughs) Interesting thing about those Vermeer paintings is that it's easier to be fooled by the Vermeer paintings than it is anything like this. Right. And because they're more obviously expressive, I suppose you can pick up on those nuances on film a little more clearly than you might a painting. Right. No. I could see why like a Picasso, this Picasso might might look like slightly different than this Picasso, but I might say, oh, I understand why Picasso would do that and this other thing over here when it turns out, no, it's a completely different fucking painting. <laughs> well, have, have I run you down like my favorite philosophical quandary? I've, I'm oh. sure we've talked about this in the past, Shh, go. but it's this idea that, okay, let's say uh, I uh, was designing a, a pixel, right? Mm. And in that pixel, I could put whatever color I wanted to. And you can do this in Photoshop, right? You can choose one of, it's not an infinite amount of colors, but there are thousands and thousands of colors you can choose from to fill that one pixel. And then you could add another pixel to it. And then ultimately you would have an image. That's what you're looking at when you look at an image on Instagram, right? You could theoretically, after a million sort of random permutations, have a machine paint that Mm. photo, because they can just fill out a different color in all of those pixels. Okay, so now what we've said is that it's possible if you have the bandwidth to take a picture of you yep. and then to have a computer artificially engineer that exact same picture because they put the exact right color in the exact right pixel, mm-hmm. right? 
So extend that a little bit. Extend that to moving pictures. Mm. Extend that to music. Extend that to dialogue. Now, obviously, you would need a lot of fucking bandwidth and a lot of server space in order to do that. But there is a universe where a computer, given an infinite amount of time and infinite amount of resources, could make the Godfather, <laughs> could make Citizen Kane. Yep. Painting is just how you use the colors. It's the idea that like a monkey, a bunch of monkeys in a room, if you give them a long enough time, will type Shakespeare if you just leave them with yeah, the typewriter yeah, 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 in front of you. It's the same sort of thing, right? It's all about the tools that you use. And given that there's a limited number of tools in order to make a movie, there is a limited uh, amount of movies that can ever possibly be made. And therefore, a computer could do it once, rendering us obsolete. <laughs> yeah. So it's really this idea of like, what is artistry? Like, mm. do, are we actually better at this? Is there an element to us innately that is better at this than the machines? And if there is that element, I certainly can't quantify it. Sure. But I think this movie sort of asks that interesting question because he is using the same Gus Van Sant, the same limited tools that Hitchcock is using. Yet there is still something that is missing there. And I would argue if you're looking for that sort of intangible it factor, X factor, whatever it is, it's present there. It's the thing that makes movies human. Yes. And that's the thing yeah. about this yeah. movie is that it it is innately inhuman. And now to take it back to the Dune criticism, and I, I'm not ragging on Dune. I do. I, I like the movie. The movie's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I, I would just say the reason that I didn't really gel with it is because I think strict adaptation like that feels less human. Mm. And that's really what it comes down to more than anything. I, I felt there was a distance between yeah. me and the characters. Sure. Right? That's a taste there. I, I don't even know what you call that. Just some people find it. Some people don't. Because yeah. I felt the total opposite, which is... What's maybe more interesting? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I th I, it's something I'm always fascinated by is that same sort of it quality that you can't really quite put your finger on. Mm -hmm. uh, the machine thing is, is sort of interesting. You're talking about like if you were to have a machine and don't give it any programming, like just say, go at it, kid. Do your own. Yeah, okay, okay. Because that's a little different, yeah. yeah well, as long as you had a way to search it. Like as long as you had a way to be, if there was an algorithm that said, oh, that's a good movie and you could pick it out yeah, like a needle in this infinite haystack, you could theoretically have every print of every movie ever made and then a bunch more that you could never possibly dream of. Sure. Which because is, really all movies are, are a bunch of pixels and a bunch of frames yeah. set to a bunch of audio, mm -hmm. right? Which is only a limited amount of decibels too. Like, so it's a little crazy though. Crazy to think about, right? In a lot of ways though, but I don't know, maybe it, it's... It's something that is complex, but maybe, I don't know, maybe complex strictly for the human imagination. It's hard to say. Uh, well, I think about this a lot with music, too, with DJs. Right? Yeah. So, like, DJing is probably the premier form of music making in 2021. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think it's close. Like, if you compare people to, like, you know, people that make beats on like uh, on, on like Adobe Audition versus people that play guitar, I think the Adobe Audition crowd outnumbers the guitar people. Mm -hmm. But you have to ask yourselves, like, okay, that's just a person using technology. But at what point does the technology sort of swallow the artist? When is the artist just there programming? And when do, is the machine doing the work, right? Yeah, it's hard to say. I, well, the, I mean, the, we haven't gotten to that point yet. I don't know. Have we? I don't think so. Yeah. I think to me it's still a tool because, yeah. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't come to being until someone says, I have an idea and they decide to touch those tools. The closest we have now are, strangely enough, deep fakes. Yes. But the funny thing about deep fakes is 
they're fucking obvious. Yes. And that's the interesting thing. Yeah, but they're not going to be soon. I don't know. They're not going to be. I don't know, man. Within like five years, they're not going to be. It, it comes down to, yeah, how much data can this computer compute? Right. And the other question is, do we allow that to happen? Yeah, that's, that's the larger question. I, I would say, no, don't allow that to happen. I think that'd be a good idea. I think that'd be wise. I think you should probably be in the room when these conversations are had yep. in like the Illuminati meetings, but you're not going to be in the room. Okay. But Someone like me <laughs> might be in the room. <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> but yeah, like the, the yeah, this, this, um, yeah, this idea is interesting, right? Like everything is a tool. I mean, they said this about electric guitars. They yeah. said this about guitar amps, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm sure they said it about guitars at some point. Like our vocal cords are tools for Christ's sake. Right. <laughs> so that's, you know, you know, but so when does the tool, like when does Photoshop become like, too powerful. Like mm. at, where do you draw the line between a paintbrush and a canvas and a piece of Photoshop software? Yeah, I know. I don't know where the line is. I guess I'm, the, I guess the line is just knowing that one was created by this thing and one was created with a human touch, but just knowing it though. Yeah, exactly. But that's the problem. But I, could you pick it out in a lineup is the real question. Yeah, that I don't know. Right. It's a good question. It's the idea of putting the Vermeer and putting the counterfeit next to each other and having an art expert, uh, examine it and the art expert doesn't know which is which mm -hmm. so what does that mean what is the value of art why is one worth a billion dollars and one is worth zero yeah hard to say hard to say i respond to identical things differently though so maybe that there's something to say about that sure you know you know i i if you depends it, there's a lot of crazy things that kind of make up the the human experience yes. and i can look at something that like is is an identical photo to one thing but in this short point in time where I look at this picture, I feel this way. And then I flip through another picture. I come back to it and I, I have a different reaction to it. That's why I watch movies and I feel differently for every single consecutive viewing. So mm. literally each viewing is a different experience. Mm. So there's something to be said about the human experience with these, you know, quote unquote identical things. Right. You know, maybe that's the thing that makes it distinct, even though, yeah, they're identical. Right. But that's an interesting, very complicated existential question. It doesn't really scare me, though. It's kind of cool. I just don't want, you know, the machines to take over. That's where... It terrifies me, man. Yeah, that's where I cut it off. But like, <laughs> It keeps me up at night. But it is... Yeah, it's... <laughs> we're not there yet. But yeah. it is interesting to think about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But this is a little bit different. We're not dealing with machines here. We're dealing with people. No, it's, it, it's on a smaller scale, yeah. definitely. And it's, it's asking those questions in, like... Uh, I think a more sort of concrete way. Mm. So yeah, definitely. But I do think that the questions are still there. What's interesting to me, you know, Van Sant talks about this still to this day. People ask him about it all the time. It might be like the movie that Gus Van Sant gets asked about most. Because I don't think he's a bad filmmaker, dude. No, I don't think so. A at all, really. I don't I think, think he's like a horror filmmaker, though. That's the only no, problem. No, well, right? well, no. At no. all. I mean, what's the closest he ever did? Elephant? That's not really... I mean, it's horrifying in some ways. It's yes. not a horror movie. It's, right. Well, kind of. Mm. Yeah, that last scene is brutal. I mean, that's worse than anything Jason's ever done. But, eeny, meeny, money, mo. Oh, my God. That is an unbelievable movie, by the way. That's a movie that time has forgot. A movie that, yeah, I was going to say, nobody has seen. For good reason, probably. Yeah. Yeah, because that was like, what, two years after Columbine? Is that how soon it was? <laughs> what? Well, the name <laughs> Elephant... Yeah, yeah, comes yeah. Comes from I, Elephant in the Room. That's comes right. from Why Isn't Anybody Talking About This? I'm just going to talk about it. When was Columbine? 2001? I think so. 2000? Or nine, no, 2000? Well, I don't want to say it was 1999. 99. Okay. 
Eyes right. right. And Elephant was uh, 2003. Four years. Yeah. Not that long ago. It's true. Um, yeah, but, you know, he was making, like, indie dramas, like, you know, uh, 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 Drugstore Cowboy and, and, and Bull Hunting and My Own Private Idaho. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, those are not Hitchcock movies in any no. way, shape, or form. No. But he gets asked about it a lot, and he says, listen, it was an experiment. If an experiment fails, does that really mean the experiment wasn't worth it? No. I don't know. I mean, if, in a purely scientific sense, fair enough. I think it's cool that this movie exists. Yeah. In a way, I'm very happy that it exists. Yeah. Because it does prove a lot of interesting points. Because so, people have, a- I have actually had people ask me, what if they just directly remade the thing? And I always tell them about this thing, mm. literally. Right. And they'll sometimes see the movie and they'll be like, that was fascinating. Sure. It sucked. Right. But it was fascinating. Have you seen the Soderbergh cut? No. So this one? Soderbergh in, I think, 2012, I want to say 2014, cut the original Psycho and the new Psycho together into one movie. But he made it (laughs) black and white and he used, I think, the original score, except for the the shower sequences in color. But everything else is in black and white. That's interesting. And so, yeah. It, it, it's awesome. Soderbergh used to do that. Have you ever seen uh, the Indiana Jones? Yes, I have not yet. Yeah. Oh my god! Like it's one of those things. It's like I'll I'll watch five minutes of this and I put it on and I'm just an hour of my life is gone and I'm like I've just been watching Indiana Jones with no dialogue. <laughs> it's the black and white. It's another black and white cut right? with the Social Network score. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Because he's like, I want to just prove how good Spielberg is at just blocking. And okay. so I'm going to strip away the color. Okay, okay. I'm going to strip away the, the sound and I'm just going to put, I don't know, the social network. <laughs> it's totally different in every <laughs> fucking way. Could not be more different. And it's mesmerizing. Yeah. You watch it. It's like, holy shit. But that becomes its own piece. Yeah. Totally different piece. And this is interesting too. Like when I saw the black and white version of Mad Max Fury Road and we talked about this with Nick, he's uh-huh. like, well, yeah, whatever, man. Right. And I'm like, no, sure. you feel very different when you watch that movie. And it's just a simple little change, but sometimes that's all it takes. Right. Different meaning. Yeah. The, the, uh, the psycho cut, I watched maybe like a half hour of it and I jumped around a little bit just to get a sense. Um, I mean, really just hammers the point home how much better the original is. Really? Yeah. I mean, more so than, I mean, you could get it by watching one and the other. So, I mean, it definitely achieves that. Um, it is kind of an interesting game. You watch it. It's like, oh, are they going to go to this version or that version? And like, how are they going to play it? How does it play together? It also kind of, in a weird way, hammers home the point of like split personalities and the idea that like two different characters can exist in the same body. Yeah, that's an interesting idea that they could have done in the original. You know, sure. you could have still it could have still been a great movie had they gone in that direction too. Yeah, you know? I'm not even sure how intentional that was, but it is kind of an interesting yeah, yeah. little thought experiment. I mean, but that's what the original movie is about, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's about, you know, the idea that Marion and Norman are not that different, mm-hmm. right? And that they both, be, it's a side A, side B movie, right? Yep. Marion's story becomes Norman's story. Um, they both do like a really bad thing because this impulse inside of them yep. tells them yeah, to yeah. do that. And they're both punished for that sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's about trying to run away from sin. Kind sure. Of, is the general and run away idea. from trauma, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he can't do it. Yeah, no matter what you do, you can't run away from it. Um, So, yeah, this idea of split personality is interesting. And it's also one of the reasons why Janet Lee's Marion is so much better than this one. Yeah. You want to talk about that for a second? We No, I'm serious. We can just talk. I mean, we want we're going to talk about more than that. But that scene where it's her and Norman 
is the probably the most exemplary quality of both movies in terms of understanding what the deal is here because mm-hmm. there's so much you can learn about that particularly through her and of course through you know yeah Anthony Perkins and Vince Vaughn mm-hmm. <laughs> It makes a really compelling case for the old style of acting versus the new style of acting. Mm. And what I mean by that is Anne Heche plays Marion in this. Um, I, I, by the way, I don't think she's a horrible actress. I just I don't think so either. I just think... What else has she done? I don't really know. I know what you did last summer. I know is the big one. Yeah. And then I think she did like some soap operas and was, you know. But what she's going for here is that kind of strange realism. Yes, She's reacting and and very specifically reacting opposite Norman. She's not really listening to him in in that scene in Mm -hmm. the remake. She's freaking out. A lot of twitching. A lot of twitching. A lot of ticks. It's very focused (laughs) in the original, which it is not here, which is interesting. She's like really on edge. She's angry. Like when she talks to the cop, that was another scene where I'm like, she's like, can I go now? It's like there's no tension to that at all. No, but it, like that cop scene is almost more tense than anything that happens later in the movie when people die. Yes. I mean, that's the brilliance of that cop scene mm-hmm. at the beginning. And, and yeah, she kind of has like this, like really sort of arrogant energy to her. Yeah. Um, And it's like, yeah, she's always on edge. And I know Van Sant, his whole goal here was to give these characters a little more material to like put a little meat on the bone. And we'll talk about that. I think with some of the other actors. Yeah. Um, But Janet Lee is playing an idea in that original movie, right? She's playing this like beautiful secretary, this anonymous person that just works in an office that one day just snaps. She decides to go. And there's a real like mystery and an intentionality to her actions yep. that really you root for her, but also you're really scared of her. Like you're really in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, in the same way you're kind of terrified of Norman because she has this other layer to her. And it's almost like she's playing this parallel. Like there's so much in in that original movie of, you know, the two characters, Norman and her in front of mirrors reflecting mm-hmm. each other. Yep. You have the beginning when she's imagining the voices of her boss in her head. And then you have the end where Norman is imagining the voices of his mother at the end. Um, they're framed in a very similar way. Oh, yeah. Right. They're both playing the same idea. This idea of the, the hidden sin, the hidden evil in all of us. Whereas... And Hayes is just playing like a kind of boring, anno- annoying person. And there's an argument for like that old school Hollywood movie star thing. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree. The, the interesting thing I found on rewatch is that the the whole I, aspect of the idea is a, is a little reversed here because I find that in that original one, yes, that idea is quite strong. But with Norman, it doesn't become obvious until you know what happens happens. Right. And then in this one, it's the total opposite <laughs> where it's like no idea from uh, the Anne Hage character. And immediately you get what Vince Vaughn is doing, which is basically shtick. Yes. And you understand this unhinged personality that can't control a thing he says or how he behaves or twitches or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And you immediately know he's crazy. Mm-hmm. If we're to talk about, I guess the distinction between like the way one feels when they watch both of these scenes. I love Norman. Mm. I love Norman in the original film. In the original, he is—he's a like I see him. I'm like, oh wow, this is a great guy. And by the way, one of my favorite performances of all time. It's one of the greats. I don't I, care. Yeah, I mean, if it's Psycho, it's a phenomenal performance. It's not even. Yeah, obviously, it's like one of the most convincing performances I've ever seen it's in the Pantheon, bar none. Yeah, but the way that unveils to me for for being stupid for liking Norman. 
<clears throat> excuse me, for being such an idiot for thinking that this guy is a lovable dude when really there's something very, very clearly wrong with him. It's that unspooling mm. that is so brilliant in that movie. Mm-hmm. And again, you can't really have the character twitching and reacting to this guy's creepy things. You have to kind of remain a certain level of focus in the way that Janet Lee's character is. Because mm-hmm. we're not watching him and like, we want to leave the theater. We're like stuck, mm-hmm. you know? We're there and we're just like, okay, wait a second. You're not what I thought you were at all. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And then that accompanied with the music too, by the way, that mm-hmm. slowed, like, 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 I don't know what it is. It's, 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 they're string violins, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, I, I love the framing of that too. Like, this is another thing that bothered me. It's kind of a nitpick, but they don't frame him out, out of center in the remake it's always like, here's Norman Bates, guys. Isn't it so cool we're well, seeing Norman? I got that in the final scene, in yeah. the reveal. <clears throat> I mean, that to me is the the biggest sort of, uh, the, the most noticeable problem with the remake. That shot in the original of Anthony Perkins coming out with the wig and the dress on with the knife over him is horrifying. horrifying. It's it's actually underrated how horrifying that, that scene is. Because you hear the footsteps coming. Yes. The craft is great. The light swinging back and forth. No, but just seeing the guy see, in a fucking dress and a wig is like, what is going on right now? Like, yeah. it's ta- like, it's like, I didn't even know that I could be in for something like this. Well, it's so surreal, too, because prior you see the mother, the skeleton in the chair, and then... Uh, and it's a quick cut, too. It's a very quick cut, and then she knocks the light, and it seems like everything's flashing. You are so disoriented. Yes. And it takes the one moment where we're actually allowed to just sit, which is that still shot of Anthony Perkins coming out. And it's like, even when we're sitting still, we're seeing the most horrifying thing imaginable. It's a great scene. Great scene. This one, yeah, they do the weird framing where they go close up on Vaughn in that. And he's got the wig. The wig looks ridiculous. Ridiculous. It looks particularly ridiculous in in color, but it also looks ridiculous because it's Vaughn. It's, It's all bad. By the way, a, a, a 10 foot woman. Yeah. It's <laughs> another thing that doesn't work. I'm sorry. Vince Vaughn is a monster. He's a giant. Jesus, watch Brawl and Cell Block 99 he if you want to know. He's a giant yeah. man. <laughs> he plays a good psycho in that one, okay? But Jesus. Definitely. <laughs> but here, Christ, it doesn't work. Yeah, you're right. A lot of that framing. It's like, again, you can play the notes, but you can't play the song, right? Like you can say, all right, this is the correct film school shot. Yes, but. There's more to it than that. There's more to it. There's so much more to it. You don't get it until you're going out there and you're not saying, how am I going to mimic another filmmaker? You just, you ha- you sort of have to cut all that out. One of the things that I find to be very helpful for anybody making films is actually to say, I'm not going to mimic Tarantino. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mi- mimic Hitchcock. I'm not going to mimic Spielberg, whatever. I'm just going to look at a camera and say, how can I use this to tell a story mm-hmm. and just go from there. Mm-hmm. And you'll be amazed at what you can find. Yeah, it's the yeah. Thelonious Monk quote. It's one yeah. of the great quotes ever. He says, I spent all this time trying to play like the greats, play piano like the greats, but it took me a lifetime to learn how to play like myself. Yeah. And that's really what it's all about, right? Yeah. You have to tap into whatever that artistry is inside of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's really interesting. It's a really interesting idea to play around with, but... I, I we sort of got sidetracked here, but what I wanted to say was that this experiment did not begin with the seed of a Psycho remake. Really, it was not. Gus Van Sant. It's right after uh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, I think he had thought about this idea beforehand, but it was right after Goodwill Hunting did like great at the box office and won a bunch of Oscars. Warner Brothers are just like, we got this whole catalog here. Do whatever you want with it, right? And he goes, all right. I always thought this idea was interesting. Can you? 
just do a classic again. But the key is it has to be a fucking classic. It needs to be like an unimpeachable, <laughs> like Citizen Kane level, you know, gone with the wind, vertigo type thing. Yeah. You know, and they came to this idea of Psycho afterwards. It just seemed like the most obvious, like, this is the type of style that you can easily mimic, right? It's got all this iconography of it that can be repurposed for, uh, you know, this new era. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows the scene. Like, you know Psycho even if you haven't seen it. Yes, yes, yes. So I always thought that was kind of interesting, that the idea of a remake was first, and then they came to Psycho as like, this makes sense for what this idea is supposed to be. Which makes it a pure experiment. Right. The idea is not like, what's the movie we're going to experiment on? It's like, let's just experiment here with a remake. What can we do? Right. And so this, you know, is often known as the shot for shot remake. Even though it's, yes, it is and it isn't. I mean, I still think funny games is like the, it's like, but by and large. Well, this is what I was going to say. There aren't actually a lot of shot for shot remakes. I I thought that this was the thing that might've been more common and there are very few of them and there are none of them that don't have like a language translation or um, or are done for comedic effect. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you see like South Park, for example, recreates like an iconic scene shot for shot. Or Seinfeld will sometimes do that. Well, it created an iconic scene shot for shot for comedic effect to play in a different context, yeah, yeah. right? Sometimes it's in the case of Michael Haneke with Funny Games. It's like he made a movie in one language. Now he's making it for an English audience. There's a commercial reason for that. Always, no, but he wanted to do that from the start. He didn't make it for commercial reasons. He said the original is just not what I really wanted to do. This was supposed to be more of a comment on Americans than my own country. So I just want to do it again and get it off my chest. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. Or you're translating it from one medium to another. You're doing animation to live action or live action to animation. The Lion King, I guess, would be another example. It's not exactly shot for shot, but basically yeah, is. Basically <laughs> is. Right. Uh, this is the only one that literally is going for forgery. <laughs> you know, I, I can't think of another one that is like this. Is it forgery? Like, it's not hiding what it is. No, it's not hiding it. But like, no, they're saying this is an artistic experiment in forgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know? I guess, yeah, I see. What there you is mean. no other movie that's ever been made like this. Never mind for a movie like Psycho. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But it does beg an interesting question: Are there any movies where you could pull this off, though, or is Psycho just so different and so of a certain time where you can't quite do that? Because this is the thing I was saying with the way that the original Psycho is shot, the performances, the black and white, some of the optical effects. The music, maybe that all just coalesces into one in 1960 and you get immersed in that movie when you watch it because you realize this is just that type of style at that time. And does that really, really work with a lot of the more traditional tricks now? Well, I think this is a great time to transition into the shower scene because this is exactly what I wanted to talk about here. Yeah. Uh, shower scene, one of the three most iconic scenes in the history of movies. By the way, I watched it like 10 times over last night. Yeah. I'm just like, fuck, this is good. You ever seen the documentary about it? <laughs> not yet. No, no, yeah, no. I've heard that's very good. I haven't watched it either. Yeah. I like that that documentary filmmaker. He's He makes fun little documentaries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, probably actually the most iconic scene in the history of, of movies. Um, there is stuff, particularly in Norman's character in Vaughn's performance here that mimics what Anthony Perkins was doing. Right. So the sort of like, uh, like very robotic movement mm, yeah. of the stabbing. Right. Uh, obviously the, the, the blacked out face, mm-hmm. you have to black out his face in order to, uh, you know, convey that, or, or in order to hide the fact that this is not actually his mother. Right. <laughs> and so, they're not doing it with lighting, by the way, the, the actual original, they're just, 
painting over the actor's face with black paint. Sure. Yeah. In the original. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in the new one, they're doing it with lighting. <laughs> Obviously, the black and white thing is going to cover that up. But, okay, here's an idea for you. If you're going to do this, because I do think, like, this is an interesting idea. You know, I, I, I always say, like, creativity does its best work when you put it in a box, when you hold it captive, right? What if you showed his face in that scene? In this new version. Interesting. What idea. if you showed Vaughn and you could tell that it was him the whole time? And then this movie becomes like a more like slasher horror grindhouse film. What if you know that it's Norman the whole time? Right. This is stuff that I think can only work in 1960. There's an uncanny valley to the movement there. There's a believability to the fact that you can't see his face. There's something more creepy about it when it's made with the tools of 1960 as opposed to now. There's a lot of. This this scene has been remade in film a billion times, yes. whether they knew it or not. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting idea. I'd love to see that. Yeah. The best example currently happens to be another one where you don't see the character's face in that movie is Halloween. Yes. The opening scene is essentially the same as the shower scene uh-huh. in, all, in essence, but we're at the killer's point of view. Yeah. Even like in terms of the pacing of that scene, the only difference is the music really mm-hmm. and the fact that the girl's not in a shower, but essentially it's the same idea mm-hmm. and it's horrifying, mm-hmm. but that's just, <laughs> but again though, I, I I would love to see Carpenter try to even a, do it exactly the same way where he's just showing the sister sitting and then Michael comes and just stabs the girl. Yeah. It looks silly in a lot of ways. Yeah. Certainly what happened here, but like, yeah. (laughs) But there's even stuff in the new Halloween movies that you compare it to the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you tried playing those scenes over again, they'd look goofy. Yes. There's just, you have to, you have to really interrogate the idea before you execute it in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Like, is this honestly the best course of action for where we are now? Mm Mm-hmm. And like sometimes there are ideas that are just brilliant, like that one, or and there are and there are ideas like in 1960 that are brilliant. Even though I still watch that movie, and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Psycho's like a perfect movie, perfect. and that scene just blows me out of the water. But for some reason, they're making the same choices here, and because all the elements are changed in this uncanny way, it's off. Mm-hmm. It's off, and I don't always know why. Sometimes it's very obvious, but other times not. And this is actually an interesting point of view. There. There are instances where I think the effect is kind of interesting where they do like the sped up shots and there's like a little bit of like lost frames, which is neat, but it's kind of kitschy. Yes. Like I just find the scene very tacky. I don't know what, how the hell is to describe it. I think it feels cheap. Number one, the way that they shoot it, which again is interesting. If you want to make like a gritty grindhouse version of psycho, if you want to take the polish off of psycho a little bit, I'm down for that. I think that's what the show Bates motel did for five seasons. Although I haven't seen an episode of Bates. It lasted five seasons on a long ass time. Jesus. That show was like really fucking popular. I've actually heard a lot of people talk. Like yeah, heaps of praise. I, I haven't seen, seen a single. Me episode. neither. <laughs> Not a minute of that show. Because I hear the title and I'm like, no, no, thank and you. And Freddie Highmore as like Freddie Highmore. Vera Farmiga plays yeah, yeah, mom, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, thanks. Also, yeah. I had to comment like, like, uh, <laughs> it's funny like seeing Bates Motel when uh, Psycho Two is a thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the other thing. There are Psycho sequels that have been in color before. Like this idea of like, we're going to do psycho, but in color, that's not, or for a modern audience. Like I think yeah. psycho four came out like 10 years before this movie did. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. It was like psycho four was like 1990. Wow. Cause you remember too, psycho came out in what? 1960, 1960, 1960, 1960 on the dot. Okay. So 
Hitchcock could have made it in color if he wanted to. He chose not to. Yeah, he's done that before. He did that with a, ma- a film called the uh, the man uh, who wasn't there. Man who or, or the man who knew too much. Yeah, yeah, man yeah, who right. knew not not the Coen Brothers the film. movie. Right. By the way, I saw the wrong man, and it's legitimately one of my favorite Hitchcock films now. I haven't seen it yet. Excellent movie. Yeah, see it. It's great. Is that a British era Hitchcock? No, it's black and white Hitchcock. But okay. it's it's one of Scorsese's favorite films. It's one of uh, the inspirations for Taxi Driver. I highly recommend it. Excellent movie. Henry Fonda. God, it's so fucking good. Oh, I need to see that. Yeah. Oh, 56. Yeah, yeah. Man, that guy had such a run. Yeah, yeah. D- will there ever be a run? I was thinking about that. This is an interesting conversation. <laughs> like, it, what, who's got the longest run of great movies? Longest run? Oh. Hmm. If you had to go, because here's, here's the Hitchcock run. All right. You got, uh, well, I mean, you can make an argument for a lot of these, let but let, let's just say the bona fide classics, you got Psycho, North by Northwest and Vertigo in three successive years. Okay. Then after that, you got the birds, Marnie, and then it sort of falls off after that. But before that, you have the wrong man, the man who knew too much, the trouble with Harry to catch a thief, rear window, dial him for murder. <laughs> Pretty good. What? I think Carpenter might be the only other one. Well, they, it, well, do we count foreign cinema? You don't want to count foreign cinema because Kurosawa is oh yeah pretty okay. untouchable. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, Carpenter's got a good one though. What about Kubrick? Well, you could argue Kubrick never made a bad movie. Yes, you could. You yeah. know. Yeah. So if you want to say a lifetime streak, that's pretty good. Yeah, but it's about quality. Like I've never seen a bad Villeneuve film, but the quality sometimes varies. Yeah, we're, but we're talking about just like your on a heater like you're just on uh, a yeah, fucking uh, yeah. tear like, i do admit carpenter's run rocks it's unbelievable it's fucking awesome it's, uh, go on imdb <laughs> one day like, he didn't he didn't always make like box office successes but basically since halloween his movies fucking kill they, it. just great. bangers <laughs> just nothing but bangers it's awesome I, i'm trying to think of like where he stops being great because i think invisible man i think is that it okay memoirs of invisible man and right before that's big trouble in little china or they live i think they live was before okay because i love that i love they live all the way back until here's the run ready i'll tell you which ones i like (laughs) dark star i like dark star assault on precinct 13 slaps halloween slaps the Mm -hmm. fog good i haven't seen it it's good escape from new york (laughs) banger fuck yeah the thing (laughs) fuck yeah yep you got Christine. Ah, oh, Christine's so good. Christine's good. Christine's so. I'm counting. Christine it. is underrated. I'm counting. It's really yes. good. <laughs> kind of rules. I ca- I'm counting it. Uh, I haven't seen Starman. Ah, oh, Starman's awesome. I love Starman. There you go, Starman. Big Trouble in Little China. Come on, rules. And Prince of Darkness. To the right person. You know, it's interesting. Like, it's very, very, very flawed, but it's such a weird it's not it doesn't feel like a misstep it still feels like he has like artistic integrity yeah so i'll count it and then they live i love they they live and what about after that and then you got memoirs of invisible man all right so it takes a while till he gets to in the mouth in the mouth of madness and the mouth of madness is next uh you broke the streak sorry man yeah yeah and then you got Escape from L.A., Village of the Damned. Yeah, okay. The vampires, done. Ghosts of Mars, The Ward. <laughs> we really need to talk El- Escape from L.A. because it's like a guilty pleasure of mine. Like, so bad. But God, I, just, I every time I watch it, I'm like, I can't not have fun with this thing. I mean, he fell off <laughs> quick, though. You know, in a spectacular way. Like, it's right. like, Jesus, what happened, man? Went down in a blaze of glory, that guy. Yeah. Yep. Precipitous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> precipitous. <laughs> precipitous fall. Um, precipitous or Persepolis? What is it? What are you, cop? Maybe. 
I don't know. <laughs> He's a cop. <laughs> what about him? Cop. <laughs> Best scene in that movie. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So what were we talking about here? Uh, let, let's let's sort of. Oh yeah. So yeah, the shower scene. I I, yeah. I do think. Yes, there is a version of this experiment that's like, okay, you lock yourself in this box. How do you get out of it? Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what I was talking about with Halloween. It's a very similar idea. Sure. You know, um, but Van Sant doesn't really try to get out of the box. He just like hangs out in the box. Like this is the box that Hitchcock made and I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. Um, whereas there are interesting things you could do. Like I'm thinking about at the beginning of the movie, there's a there's a, a line of dialogue where Marion is leaving um Viggo Mortensen. I, I forget the boyfriend's name, but Viggo Mortensen's character. He and he's naked. <laughs> by the way, basically, it's like what if Psycho were in color and we showed butts? It's very perverted, by the way. It's not just the butts. It's a perverted, weird movie. Vince yeah. Vaughn masturbates in this movie. We're getting. There. <laughs> we're not there yet. We're oh oh there boy. Yet. Oh boy. Oh god. We're getting. There. No. No. <laughs> but there's a scene in that opening, and I think it's in the original script where Vigo's like, "Why can't I come with you?" And Marion's like, "You got to put your shoes on first. But he's sitting there, butt butt ass naked. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. That plays as a different joke, given yeah. the fact that he's naked. And technically, you're still following your rules as you set them, you know, at the beginning of the project. But you're playing around with the formula a little bit. A little sleazier. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But that that gets a laugh out of you. It's yeah. like, oh, that's funnier now because of that. Mm-hmm. Right? What would be interesting is if you showed his face in the shower scene. You still included everything. But it's like, what if we knew that it was Norman the whole time? Because, by the way, if you're going to see Psycho in 1998, you know it's Norman the whole time. You know that's Norman. Yeah. You know what the twist is, right? So there's an idea. But they're not trying to do that, though. But they're not. Instead, what they're doing is, what if Vince Vaughn masturbated as he was watching Marion in the room? And it's like, you haven't done anything different. All you've done is literalized an idea that Hitchcock conveyed much better than you 40 years ago. That's all you've done. You've literalized this idea of his voyeurism, and you've taken it to an R-rated extreme. I get it. He's a creep. He's watching near Mary and he shouldn't. It's his, this sexual desire that that's coming out of him. It's the reason why his mother kills him or kills Marion, right? Out of jealousy. We don't need that. So like it got a lot of laughs because it's like, oh, fucking Vince Vaughn's masturbating in Psycho. (laughs) At the time, it was one of the big criticisms, but it's also just really pointless. I don't, I think that's getting lost at all that. It's a pointless change. I'm all for doing Psycho with a new lens, with a new perspective, but I mean, you can't just do stupid shit like, oh, we're going to include like shots of a farm when when uh, when when fucking William H. Macy is getting pushed down the stairs. You know, there there needs to be more playing around with this formula. And it just to me, I go back to it. It's just plagiarism is really all it is. Yeah, I know. I know. Because the thing is, there is a version of Psycho where you do show the scene with uh, Vince Vaughn masturbating. Maybe he's not looking through the people. Maybe he goes back up to his room and masturbates. Mm -hmm. Maybe you do it that way. But then the movie takes on many different textures. And it's then, I I mean, at that point, if I'm directing it and I... If for some stupid reason I direct this remake and I have and I have a scene with fucking Norman Bates masturbating, first of all, I'm not shooting it like Hitchcock. Sure. It wouldn't move like Hitchcock at all. It wouldn't talk like Hitchcock does in his movies, you yeah. know? Yeah. Or have that same voice. That's yep. the point. It's just it's the aesthetics, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's the artistry. It's the way you paint. Yeah. God, it's so bad. Certainly is. Um among the changes that were actually made were just period details. Again, it's a movie in 1998. It doesn't make much sense that this would be happening in 1998, by the way. I guess it could. Hey, there are, mo- there are motels on, on Berlin Avenue. Have you ever been in those? The Turnpike? 
Yeah. I've never been in the one. The Berlin Turnpike, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, They're there, man. I, I dare you to go in. <laughs> yeah, there's a... Yeah, there's a local strip uh, in, in Connecticut that is sort of like known as like hooker alley, essentially. Yeah. There's just like a bunch of motels like that's where you go if you want a hooker. Yeah. I'm okay with that. And it's like right next to like a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> that's the funny thing about Connecticut. You know what I mean? <laughs> Connecticut has a sense of humor. Let's just be honest. Well, Connecticut, everything is like there's a there's like a, a very high floor for like what society must look like. <laughs> like, you know, like everything Could must you get more superficial. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, everything has to have, like there are bad areas in Connecticut, right? right? There are, there are slums. There are, you know, crime ridden areas. I live next to Torrington. <laughs> Certainly. But they all have like a, a fucking, like, you know, uh, Buffalo wild wings. You know what I mean? Like they all have something that's like, trust us. There is civilization. You're here. like, you're, you're basically saying like, if look, if the zombie apocalypse happens, there is a spot to go. Essentially. You could go to yeah. that Buffalo wild wings. <laughs> right. People could crowd around there. <laughs> Might be safer in the zombie apocalypse than outside of it. But no, but like, it's like every area is just developed enough. There's no area <laughs> yeah, yeah. in Connecticut where it's like, that's the place that time forgot. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like even where all the hookers are, it's like still you can go to the bowling alley. I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, it's like it's Connecticut. Strangely, though, Harwinton might be that place that time forgot. Yeah, it's true. That or like Litchfield <laughs> doesn't exist, man. It's the Bermuda Yeah, that's triangle. true. That's true. <laughs> I don't even exist. I'm not here right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Memoirs of Invisible Man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God. had the 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 worst idea for a podcast which is just someone coming on mic and talking to his co-host is who actually is not there we did that on two cents you talked to nobody no i lost my audio (laughs) (laughs) i had to think about it for a second like wait a second (laughs) that happened if you want that podcast you can get it that's glorious i never released it but i have it oh you should (laughs) It's just Nick and Rob talking to empty space. <laughs> Doesn't make much sense. I'd love to listen to the it. lost episode. It was two hours long. That's glorious. Yeah. I'd love to hear I that. I never release it. One day it'll be, you know. April Fool's joke. Yeah, it's it's going to be like uncovered, like, you know, like Orson Welles' cut of friggin' mm. Magnificent Ambersons, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're comparing yourself to Orson Welles now. It's going to be yeah. unearthed, the lost episode of two cents. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so period details have been uh, adjusted in the original script. It ca- uh, there was only $40,000 worth of money that Marion stole from her job. In the new version, it's $400,000. Um, I'd just like to say, after working at a bank, uh, that's not what $400,000 looks like at all. Yeah, definitely not. They were all $1,000 bills, though. They were? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Even then, that's not really what it looks like. <laughs> you ever seen a $1,000 bill? Yes, actually, I have. Mm-hmm. Not, at, not at the bank, but mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. Um, so, th- you know, that was updated. I do think in general, though, this idea of, like, the woman just getting away with the money, slipping away undetected, I mean, that's just not something that could have happened post, like, 1980. No, probably not. You know, so this idea of just, like, vanishing is a much more 1960s idea. Mm-hmm. Um. And the, the idea, too, that like a psychopath with a dead mother in his basement just murdering people at his motel can also go undetected. That's just you know, yeah, more of an old sort of more naive 
viewpoint on the world. Mm-hmm. Now it's just too much access to everything. <laughs> so like there's stuff that doesn't work and some dialogue is updated for like modern, modern parlance, but um, like, it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's updated enough where you can notice it, but it's not updated enough where it's not distracting. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like in it's in this weird gray, gray area. area. Yeah. 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 Right. I, I kind of just wish like, just do Shakespeare, just do the original old English. Well, this is the, <laughs> you could though, that, that, that would make a, maybe a little bit more sense, but this is the thing. Like, like we were saying with the scene with him fucking masturbating, I hate to go back to it, but it's like the changes you make only seem to hurt the story a little bit more or it, they add absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, let, let's talk about these performances. Yes. So that's, we, that's... we've already talked about Anne Heche and Vaughn. And I think, you know, the, my, my point on that is clear. I think like, and Heche is not Janet Lee. I think Janet Lee, in some ways, became the prototypical, I, I don't want to say final girl, but like horror victim. Scream queen. Scream. There you go. That's the word for it. Mm-hmm. That's what I was looking for. Uh, but like, she's also kind of the perpetrator in this movie. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's what's so fascinating about it. And what makes it so edgy in 1960 is like, you root for her, but you shouldn't be. <laughs> she's having an affair with some yeah. guy in a in a hotel room. It's yeah. like it's sleazy. It's like there's but without any nudity. It's like more risque and yeah. more sort of, you know, like slime ball for this beautiful mm-hmm. Hollywood lead to be in some motel in the middle of the day. Well, think about how skeezy the movie actually is. Like to do everything you just said and then they brutally murder her. <laughs> yeah. I always go back to like I would just love to death to see audiences in 1960 oh, react to this. God. My god, that'd be f- phenomenal yeah just they they god i can't imagine like that would it must have just ruined their year in the best possible way like mm-hmm. <laughs> to see your hero go out like that mm-hmm. oh boy um so yeah i i think that she plays it almost too real and i think yes. like vince vaughn is just he's doing his vince vaughn thing and it's it's just not creepy he's he's you I, I think you said it correctly he projects the fact that he's a psycho but you are less scared of him yes it's too obvious mm-hmm. it's too it's it's very like yeah obvious and superficial and i know what he's gonna do well before he does it like even if you hadn't seen that original you would know this guy's gonna fucking kill this lady mm-hmm. you just know it and i mean even like the line where it's like they collect their thick tongues like that delivery is so like the way he does it is just nasty and like it's sloppy sloppy yeah well yeah, it, deliberately so and yeah. it's just doesn't work at all like i said it's just not scary whatsoever mm-hmm. that's also another line though like that works very well in like 1960 doesn't work as well now like they they collect their thick tongues and it's just like well that's pronounced <laughs> also the mother voice sucks yeah it does it's really bad yeah, it's like really cartoonishly bad. Like it, that argument that they have at the top of the stairs. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? Oh my god, it's so, and like in that scene is impossible to pull off too. Like literally, only Hitchcock could have pulled it off. Mm-hmm. The overhead shot. It's like in any other movie, it would have looked ridiculous under yeah, any other filmmaker's hand. I know. Um, this whole movie is just that though. It's like there's a, just a cheapness to everything about it. It's cheap and it's sleazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without saying anything about cheapness and sleaziness, though. No. You know. It's- Aside from that, Viggo Morgensen can be cheap and sleazy, I guess. I see that guy, and that is one nasty individual. You want to know the one guy that understood the assignment in this movie? The one guy? Vigo? No. No? Macy. Yeah, he's good. He's the only guy that is doing the same performance that the guy did in 1960. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's not changing a thing. 
No. It's like he's doing, point, he's yeah. got a fucking top hat and a trench coat. <laughs> and he's true. just like, I'm a private eye. See, we're going to track down Marion, you and I. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing the exact same thing. Like he's the only guy that showed up to be like, guys, I thought we're doing Lear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I thought like I'm playing Falstaff, aren't I? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. You know, like I went to theater school, like I'm just doing the same performance. Like everybody else is bringing like a new thing. Like Vigo's doing like this weird cowboy fucking thing. It's, yeah, because I didn't care for it. And Julianne Moore is like really mad all the time. It is, can I just say, Julianne Moore is so grossly forgettable in this movie. Yeah. I, I Every time I see this movie, which is not very often, it's like my third time seeing it, I think. But like, I, I always forget that she's in this movie it's terrible yeah i mean she's just really on edge all the time and it doesn't really make much sense um where's the resemblance by the way (laughs) in terms of her and and Hayesh? yeah they're both kind of angry oh Oh, is that i think that's all it is (laughs) they're both on edge i see right (laughs) could have fooled me that these two people are sisters yeah (laughs) i I guess whatever whatever I mean that you know I'm watching Succession. By the way, you, you gotta just watch it. Yeah, season three. But it's like those people do not look at all related, but they <laughs> behave like they're related, and that's enough for me. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, no, but M- Macy bit. But I, that was the the one performance where I'm like, oh yeah, you get it. Like yeah. you said, you're remaking Psycho. I I came with the same <laughs> fucking outfit that yeah, yeah. I had on <laughs> with the same voice. The costume designer didn't need to do anything. Am I the only one? saw the original psycho here like what are we doing <laughs> i see the costume designer coming out with like shorts and a t-shirt like oh oh you're you're already in costume yeah oh oh okay i thought we were gonna go with the shorts and the t-shirt but <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's good he's really good yeah yeah he, he's good in it um you know the so yeah the I, what, what other um performances i guess you got you know robert forrester showing up as, i hate that like i did i mean that scene's awful in the original it, if i'm just criticize anything about the original that scene doesn't work but man is it boring in this one i actually skipped over it and, and i'm just like i can't can't do this it's, it's awful it's yeah fucking terrible yep uh even if you get robert forrester to do it like um you just can't uh you know this is uh as i said before i think i sort of hinted at this before like this is a movie about twists and it's about like subverting expectations um that's why the original works so well it's one of the great twists ever when marion gets murdered and Mm -hmm. it becomes a different movie uh you know knowing the twist because here's the thing like i can rewatch the original psycho knowing the twist and it doesn't bother me so i I, in in some ways I think, like I said before, it makes the argument on behalf of spoilers, but also makes the argument against spoilers, mm-hmm. right? You think Psycho is effective because of that shock, but I no. can still rewatch it and be just as shocked knowing what's coming. Whereas the remake, you know, it doesn't matter what I know, what I don't know, I'm not shocked by it at all. I wasn't shocked by it, yet, but yeah, like I said, to begin with, I wasn't shocked by it. Mm-hmm. But the storytelling for Hitchcock, it's maybe just Hitchcock's hand is just so much firmer and confident than Gus Van Sant's could ever be. Because mm-hmm. I just watched that movie as a mysterious thriller now, that mm-hmm. original, and it's just glorious. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, filmmaking is not just choices, I think is really the, the big theme. It's more than just the sum of choices. The editing's not as tight. Technique doesn't quite translate. Yep. The black and white is just a little bit better than the color. Yeah, yep. um, exactly. More to it than that you can just drop in a lab. Uh, I think that's all I have. Yeah, dude. Like, what do you got? Uh, do I have anything to add on this thing? It is what it is. Yeah, you know, I, I, 
I would. The question is like, what does a good Psycho remake look like? They're never going to do it again, but certainly hope not. I don't want them to, but like, I, I. Yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. There's no need to do it though. That's the other thing. Like, I, I, I think. I mean, if this is a this is the the least original take ever, but we always say like, if you're going to experiment on a remake at all, make sure it's like a worse movie, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, I don't know why they chose Psycho. They chose the best movie. The best movie. <laughs> I just, I just think that the, yes, there are just elements here where they coalesce and you watch them in that bubble that Psycho creates, and it just works. But if you translate it to now, it's not quite the same. But it's one of those rare exceptions where. Uh, I, I, I don't know, like, even though it's from 1960, it still works for me. Something about the movie lulls me in and maybe it is just uh Hitchcock's direction in this case, but man, yeah, it's, it's just, it's that uncanny thing. Like you just said, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to say, man. It's, it's pretty obvious why it's bad. It's just that uncanny quality that, that they, you cannot harness no matter what you try to do. Mm-hmm. I wish I had deeper insights on it, but you know, they're, it's sort of plain to see here. Yeah. I mean, the experiment. The movie does Doesn't the talking. Work. It just does, it, it, it does the talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It tells you everything you need to know. I mean, without yeah. actually literalizing it, just by watching the two back to back. But it, it's even worse because the changes that they do make just seem to hurt it constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what you do, I don't see a single thing about this movie that is better. Mm-hmm. No, anything, nothing. That's the thing, though. Nothing. You would think like you'd get one, like even the worst remakes do like one or two things better, mm-hmm. maybe, but Jesus Christ, everything is, it's just a mess here. Yeah. I mean, even the score, like Elfman, yeah. it's actually kind of an interesting choice because Elfman is probably the closest modern composer to Bernard, Bernard Herrmann's yeah. style, mm-hmm. you know, like the strings, the sort of bounciness to the scores, yeah. the like, they both sort of, that iconic score in the beginning of, of Marion driving. It's like that. That's so Bernard Herrmann. You could see that. Or that's so uh, um, uh, uh, Danny Elfman. Like you could see that in a Tim Burton movie. Yes, you could. Um, but yeah, even he's just doing like a bad cover. It's like at least do something different with it. I thought even the classic Psycho music was off. Yeah, the screech. You yep. know, it just didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work. Uh, originally considered for the role of Marion, Nicole Kidman, and Drew Barrymore. Why? Because of Scream? I guess. What year was Scream? 96? 96, I think. Yeah, maybe. I guess. Okay. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's a different movie. I don't know. It's like, those, those scenes play a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I, don't I guess know. I'm good with Barrymore. I wouldn't mind. I would probably like her more than Anne Heche. Or, Anne Heche. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. How about the lady from... <laughs> Why do I always forget Debbie Harris? Debbie Harry? <laughs> Debbie Harry, yeah. Put her in everything because we love her. I love Debbie Harry. Yeah. She's my scream queen. If yeah. You want my, <laughs> if you want my take on it. Oh, you haven't rewatched Videodrome. Not once, have you? Well, certain scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you getting close to the television like James Woods, man. <laughs> Sticking your face in there. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Facts. Um, uh, credited in the credits for this and the thank yous of the credits, John Woo and his kitchen knife. That apparently is John <laughs> Woo's kitchen knife. Appears in all of his films. <laughs> um, and yeah, that'll do it. 
That's psycho. There it is. I guess my question now is, is like, is this the greatest horror movie of all time? Psycho? psycho. Yeah. This is sort of like a proto horror movie yeah. in a lot of ways. I don't know. Horror movie? Yeah. It's it's. I've always it's the cons- most important, right? Maybe, yeah. I've always considered it very. I mean, you could uh, the cabinet of Doctor Caligari could be more important. Nosferatu is sure is up there. Yeah. Fucking love Nosferatu. Uh, God, there's a lot of the thing is we always boil it down to one movie, and it's like there's a right. collection of these. Sure, you know, there's no you you you, you don't have that conversation without like I said those other two, but also Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and a few others. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Hard to say. I, I've always considered this more of like a hybrid in the way that like Jaws is kind of a hybrid. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I definitely think of it as a Halloween movie. I mean, sure, I, sure, sure. Yeah. I think of it like this time of year. Um, it's your best Hitchcock, number one. <sighs> man, the wrong man was good. Really? Yeah. There, you know, it's like a lot. Like not all Hitchcock endings work for me, and that was another one where it's just a little abrupt. Uh. But it's still great, all all in all. Even like the most of the epilogue is really good. Um, it's really great, but I think it is. It's probably Psycho. There's my normie answer for you, by the way. I always, have, <laughs> I always, have, I always come down on you. Well, for my bit. normie answer is Vertigo, so I don't think it's that. Sure. Know, we yeah. both have normie answers. Yeah, I yeah. think for that. But, but I think like beneath that, for me, it's Strangers on a Train. I adore Strangers. I'd on love a train. to say Rope. Oh, I'd Rope's love to really just good. Go, I'd just love to go for That's it. That's a cool one. I haven't seen a lot of them, though. I haven't seen Notorious. I, <laughs> Notorious is I great. I haven't seen, like, uh, Notorious is great. you know, Foreign Correspondent. Like, I haven't I seen, like, a lot of his, you know, British period ones. But I haven't seen that one either. The Wrong Man have not seen. Yeah. You'd like The Wrong Man. Uh, I do need to see uh, uh, the original, or the, I guess, well, maybe there's both of them. But, yeah, The Man Who Knew Too Much, because there's two versions of that. He made it twice. Yeah. He literally just made yeah, the yeah. same movie. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A British version and an American version, I think. Yeah, that's kind of that's exactly what Michael Haneke did with Funny Games. Exactly, because yeah. I think that one is very, a very strict remake as well. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, so there's, yeah. A, there's a conversation. There you go. This is the thing I was curious about, though. Like, are there any movies like classics where you could do the shot for shot thing where we, and it could work? I, I don't know where they would work, or you would want it. I don't. Well. <laughs> Of course I wouldn't want it. I'm not interested in that. It's like a question like what works now, you know? It's a good question. Cuz something happens to you psychologically when you watch an old movie. Yeah. That's the thing. Apocalypse now? <laughs> I think no, it would not work. No. If Gus Van Sant did it. No. Did you ever consider that Gus Van Sant? <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird. Well, I though. think you would I, need to pick a movie that you know that that maybe is influential but just has bad acting. I think that's like the one thing that like you would need to pick like the worst acted classic and and do that again with like serious actors. Well, that's like the, my idea of like improving something. I'm talking about something. Well, but you could do it literally. Is my point? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you, in other words, you could mimic every like let's like I don't know like Amityville Horror or something. Mm-hmm. Or like, uh, you know, one of like the original Friday the 13th or, you know, something like that. Yeah, that would actually work pretty well, interestingly enough. You know, like what if like this Friday the 13th remake was a shot for shot remake, That'd but be you did it with serious actors. Yeah, it'd be interesting. 
It could know? work. Yeah. That's that same idea though, like of taking the thing that wasn't necessarily great and improving upon it. Sure. But you could still, my, my point is though, you keep the script exactly the same yeah. and you keep the shots exactly the same. Yeah, like, what is it, the yeah. thing that you can most improve on? It's performances. The problem is that they do psycho again and it's like, we're going to replace fucking Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee. What's the matter with you? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. No, but that's that's the problem. It's like like if the notion is that that that's where I'm coming from. If the notion is let's take a fucking classic and just do it again and it's like it's a strange thing to want to do. I don't know why you would, but if we're going to do it what works well? I I I agree with you for that in a lot of ways. I also think like it'd be interesting to see a movie that is just so weird and wacky and just see how it looks updated with a fresh coat of paint because that's essentially what they're doing. Right. I you know, I would love to see 2001 in that way oh no it'd be interesting it'd be nowhere near as good oh it'd be awful i don't know i love that like denis villeneuve made 2001 no no give it to like i don't know robert eggers (laughs) i no. i don't want them to do it i don't think i'm in on that i would be out i would be curious to say the least i'm way out (laughs) <laughs> what right so what's a movie that like the the visuals are just like so tacky and it's like it almost like ruins it you know like it, like it could it be a, like a special effects movie that like wasn't quite there like i mean king kong i'm sure they've done it a bunch of times what about david lynch's dune <laughs> there we go just do it again man uh have you seen the original king kong by the way i don't think i have the oh. 30s version no Seen the '70s, seen Jessica Lange's. That movie's bonkers. I love it. Yeah, you should. You, should, you gotta watch it. That's an interesting one, though. No, right. but I. I don't think it works. I don't think it works. I don't think any of these ideas we've had would work. Right. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a, really the that's point. the problem. It's like no, yeah. 2001 would not work now, but like not work in in this way specifically. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you would have to pick a movie where it's like the director clearly had larger ambition for this and just like the technology of the time could not match his ambition. That's why we remake things now, though. Like I said, the experiment of Psycho is weird because they recognize that it was a great movie that didn't need improving on. They just wanted to to do it again. And the technology actually hurts it. Like, (laughs) yeah, but... Like they do the weird projection effect in this too. Yeah, I remember that it's shot. Fucking when, awful. Yeah, when when the guy's walking across the street and sees Marion in the car, they do that same thing. It was awful. I'm like, that works in this bubble that you 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 surround yourself with when you watch a 1960s. When you put movie. yourself in that state of mind, I don't need to to make the leap. I I'm there when yeah. when I enter the movie. I get it. Mm-hmm. But here it's like no 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 no. <laughs> I don't know. The Omen? It's kind of a shot for shot remake. The new one? Sort of. And it wasn't good? No. More or less. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the acting in The Omen. Yeah. Is it just the acting for you? I think. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure what else can possibly be approved upon. I mean, these are masters often yeah, working Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. You know, so it's like, what's the point? I mean, like, did, the directors said I don't have shit on these guys. Yeah. You know, it's like, these are giants we're talking about here. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I, yeah. I'd have to think on that. That's an interesting conundrum. We got very philosophical today. I'm sorry, because this is not usually not usually the case for why is this a thing. Yeah, I know. We get pretty heady. It's when Nick's not, Nick, it's Nick. It's all Nick's fault. Occasionally, really. you know. You, <laughs> no. You listeners can get a little cultured over here, okay? Every once in a while. I can't express Even it. Even though it's the same listeners. Who am I kidding? Yeah, I know. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I do admit you need, we do need Nick for like 
grounding us because half of this conversation probably wouldn't have happened the same way. Probably indiscernible to me. <laughs> Let's just be honest. It's probably a little more fun. <laughs> but uh, no, I had a good time. This yeah, was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, let's play a game. How many Drew Carey? So we've done Vaughn already, right? Yeah, definitely. Um... So we need one of these other cast members, I suppose. You want to go Vigo? You want to go Julianne Moore? You want to go... Who's bound Casey? to show up? I'm, I'm sure Vigo is... I can see Vigo popping up in, like, if we do another Cronenberg film or something. Good point. Um, hmm. Julianne Moore, we're probably not going to do again. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, yeah. she doesn't make a lot of Wise as a Thing movies. Would we ever talk about... I mean, it's not... Still Alice? <laughs> It's this is not a why is this a thing film. I don't know why we would talk about this, but like Lost World. No. It's the only thing I can think. Of. No. We what? could talk Hannibal. Hannibal sucks, but that's like an interesting conversation. There will be other people to discuss though on that podcast. There will be other potential you know, celebrities for this yeah, game. That's a good point. Yeah, let's go Julianne Moore. All right. Let's do it. All right. Julianne Moore just uh really pissed off in this movie. She's really pissed <laughs> off her sister ran away with some cash. <laughs> She's not happy. You damn brat. <laughs> I hope you get stabbed in a shower. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, that was her. Uh, that was the line from the movie, actually. They added I, that afterwards. I hope you get stabbed in a shower. Bitch, I hope you get stabbed in a shower. <laughs> it was a really controversial change that Gus Van Sant made. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm not going to pull it up. Yeah. Uh, uh, so right. what's, the, what's the amount again? I was $180 million $180. is the net worth of Drew Carey. $180 million. I will say that Julianne Moore is somewhere around 50 million. Mm, I was going to 60. Okay. Shit. Well, there you go. I, I got to stick to it. 60. All right. Julianne Moore's net worth in the year 2021. Ha! Oh, no. Is it embarrassing? $55 million. Ah! What do we do? Wait, play some cards? <laughs> Adam, his face lit up like a fucking billboard in Times Square <laughs> as he pointed at his favorite card game, Cinephile. All right, let's go. Let's do it. One round. <laughs> One round. As if we haven't been indulgent enough today. Oh, I, I we have care. a dinner date, by the way, in like 15 minutes. Oh, shit. Now nah, we got time for a game. There's always time for Cinephile. Oh, my God. Okay. We're really late. Jesus. Okay. Well, I'm just hold on, listeners. I have to let my girlfriend know that we're going to be late. <laughs> I'm fifth wheeling with Adam and Adam. Yes. Today. Yes, he is. It's great, isn't it? How happy are you, Nico? No comment. No comment. <laughs> can I tell this story? No one will hear this, no. right? Uh, I can tell the story. No. No one's going to hear it. <laughs> so Abby and Adam have been backing out on me. <laughs> That's not true. It's true. You're making it sound like we're just like, eh, fuck you, you Nico. We're well, out of here. You basically are. You haven't you thought about it in those. No, I mean, just by virtue of the fact you haven't considered my well-being. Yes, you've basically uh. been doing that. They've just been backing out, just leaving me out to dry at like various functions that I don't want to go to. That's fair. So I got invited to one this week and I immediately texted those two. And like, I, I, I like 
you know, like remember in John Wick two, where like the guy like stamps the thumbprint. What, yeah. what do they call those things? It's like you owe me one, essentially. I it, you know, but it pricks the there's thumb. Like, yeah, there's a yeah. there's a blood vow essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. That he makes, and so John Wick has to, you know, fulfill this favor for this guy that has, you know, this chip. And so I'm cashing in my chip this week, and I texted Adam and Abby, and I'm like, "You are coming to dinner tonight," and you and there's no way about it. Okay, you well, texted her too. I didn't text you. I just texted. I just I didn't text Abby. I just texted. Okay, you. okay, okay. Yeah. Go ahead, read the card. <laughs> one round. I'll play one round. I did not prick my finger, by the way, so I could dip out whenever the hell I want. Mm -hmm. That would actually make you very mad. You might not have your kneecaps by the end of the night, but sure. Ugh. At least I still the only other place you're going tonight's the ER. So pick. <laughs> At least I still have my taste buds. <laughs> That's cold. <man. laughs> it's too fucking real. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wowza. All right, I never get a good burn on you. <laughs> Fuck off. That's true. <laughs> All right, go ahead. What do we got? Bill Paxton. Okay. Yep. Oh, wow. Interesting choice for the movie. The movie they picked for this is Near Dark, the vampire movie. The Catherine Catty Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow vampire Katie movie. Bigelow. All right, I like this one. Bill Paxton. Billy Paxt. Um, Let's say... Twister. Aliens. Um, Edge of Tomorrow. Hmm. Uh, the Terminator. Who's he playing the Terminator? He's one of the punks at the very beginning who gets killed by Arnold. He's like, nice night for a walk. He plays a punk in the Terminator? Yeah. He, he goes like, fuck you, asshole, and pulls out. Oh, sure, 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 sure. That's Bill Paxton, huh? Yep. The Zapruder film. <laughs> <laughs> Is he in JFK? No. No. Well, <laughs> he might be. I know he was there when the assassination happened. Oh boy, I'm drawing a blank on Bill Paxton. Oh, come on. I got a few. <sighs> Armageddon, he's in? I don't know. Or he's in one of those fucking Space Deep Impact or Armageddon or one of those Michael Bay shits. He might be. I, I could give it to you. I know. I I no, 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 no. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to win. I'm going to win the real way. <laughs> Can I say the HBO series, big love? I have, I've argued for HBO series before. Big love. But you might win this one now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Predator two. Yeah, you got me on that one. All right. I quit. Next one. What? Simple plan. Oh, shit. Uh, Mighty Joe Young. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> fuck me. All right. Rebuttal. Here we go. Round two. Oh, no. I, I always get sucked into it like this, by the way. <laughs> I know. Just one round. Oh, one of course. More round. Frailty. Just, just, just one more round. Uh, you're lucky you're not betting. Jesus Christ. Nightcrawler. <laughs> oh, God. That's right. He's a nightcrawler. Shit. Haywire. Oh, God. I'm so bad at this game. I miss that guy, man. I love Bill Paxton. Just a... One of the greats. Yeah. Fucking Titanic, obviously. Yeah, God, ah. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even think of that shit. Oh. All right. Apollo 13. Oh, my God. True Lies. Tombstone. Oh, that was a bad one. That was a bad one. 
I'm ashamed. Bad performance from us. Okay, next round. Go. <sighs> One <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh shit! Here we go. What does it say on the card? Oh no. <laughs> Pain and Gain, the Michael Bay film. Ah, uh, that was supposed to be Michael Bay's comeback movie. Remember that? Yikes! It's like Michael Bay's. He can actually make a back movie. Back to basics. <laughs> nope. Uh, I will say Fast Five. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Fast and Furious Six. Mm. <laughs> uh, Jumanji. Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> Furious Seven. <laughs> Furious Eight. No. <laughs> Pardon. Fate of the Furious? There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Jumanji, the next level. Yeah. (laughs) Skyscraper. There's a movie called Skyscraper. There is indeed. Jungle Cruise. Of course. How could I forget Jungle Cruise? Black Adam. (laughs) I'm not counting Black Adam. All right. Well, uh, uh, Trying to think of something that's not overly obvious now. Fuck, is this guy done? Uh, what the f- hell is that? Gridiron Gang. The Game Plan. No. The Tooth Fairy. <laughs> <laughs> All these shitty movies. Scorpion King. I don't hate Scorpion King. Never seen. It's okay. <laughs> We're going to be so late for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck dinner. We don't want to go. Uh, yeah, who are we no. <laughs> I hope no one listens to this. No one's going to listen. <laughs> I want to bleep that one out. No one cares. None of my friends it's, care about it. It's part of the bit. Too. No, it's part of the it's bit. It's part of the bit. Yeah, it's just, fuck dinner. It's a comedy show. Yeah, fuck dinner. It's a comedy fuck show. Fuck dinner. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I got one, but then I'm probably out. The Mummy Returns. Isn't there a Scorpion King too? He's not in it. Okay. I'm like, uh, Rampage. Oh, wow. San Andreas. Oh, my God. As soon as you said that, I'm like, oh. There's a movie I forgot existed. Yeah, so, so did everybody. Holy shit. <laughs> That's like a repressed memory. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> did you see that one? No. <laughs> San Andreas, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation. All right, you get it. That was when, like, there were action series that weren't working, and they're like, how can we spice this up? I know. Put the rock in it. Yeah, yeah, it literally. That was, like, the formula for, like, five years. Yeah, because they started with, what, Channing Tatum? Yes. Yeah, that's right. I uh, yeah, and uh, I think was Bruce Willis in the uh, original? I don't know. I actually just thought of another one. Baywatch. Uh, the other guys. Yeah, so sure. That was going to be the other one. Yeah, but we, yeah. No, yeah. I don't want it. I can do this all day. I don't want. I'm it. just yeah. telling you right now. Um, yeah, he's well, made that, a, he's made a lot of movies. Yeah, but now we're at a tie. All this, right, one more. This ain't good. Let me find a good one. That was a good one for me. It's always like horrible actors. I'm really good at that. Yeah, yeah, you love your... I like following, like, the careers of horrible actors. Mm. Now, we hit a lot of them, though. 
Really? Oh, uh, Moana, you could have said. Central Intelligence. Oh, yeah. Um, Hercules. Hercules. Did I tell you my Hercules story? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm working at Target in 2014. Oh, I think you Remember this? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, I've told it a bunch. But there's this guy that comes in with his father who's like 90 years old and has dementia. Mm-hmm. And they're walking around. He's like, hey, guys, are you selling the Hercules director's cut? Literally, Hercules had come out on DVD and Blu-ray that day. It was that day. People were excited for... And this kid and this old guy with dementia were coming in and it's like, we need the director's cut of Hercules starring Dwayne Johnson. It must be had. And I'm like, sorry, guys, we don't have... Dang, don't got it. Oh, God, that's horrible. That's awful. <laughs> Jesus. Get smart, you could have said, too. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's right. Southland Tales. All right. All right, what do we got? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, fuck me. Running Man is the first one. So you're up. I'm going to say The Terminator. You ever heard of it? Mm-mm. Okay. I don't think. I think you made that up. But I'll let it slide. Mm. Uh, Predator. Terminator 2. Terminator 3. Terminator Genesis. Is, is the fourth one allowed? I mean, his likeness is in it. I guess, yeah, it doesn't count. Um, uh, <laughs> Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> Arnie. <laughs> Kindergarten cop. Hmm. Red heat. True lies. End of days. Uh, uh jingle all the way. Commando. Conan the Barbarian. Uh, Conan the Destroyer. Pumping Iron. Damn it. I was going to say that one. He did a movie called, I think it's Hercules in New York. Sure. It's his first movie, something like that. I'll take it. Uh, The Big Sleep. (laughs) We literally just talked about how he was in that. Let me correct you. The long goodbye. Oh, long goodbye. Oh, you know what I fucking mean. <laughs> Relax. The long goodbye. <laughs> I ca- hey, I'm, I'm letting you slide here. Anyway. Um, same move. No, they're not. But same title. <laughs> Big sleep, did. long goodbye. Yeah. They're both nonsense titles. Yeah. The Expendables. The Expendables 2. The Expendables 3. Mm, got me there. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> Arnie. Um, true lies. Did I say that? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, what's that fucking zombie movie he made with the little girl? Uh, uh, it's in my head. Don't uh, you dare say it, you fucker. It's called like Mandy or something or like Jamie or... Rachel or something. I don't know. Oh, shoot. Oh, what's that movie called? Oh, well. um, uh, Darn it. Darn it. Darn it. Darn it. Well, let's just go to Total Recall and come back to it. Did we say Total Recall? I didn't. I don't know if you did. There's too many. Whatever. Uh, if I 
did. I'm sorry for cheating. That's fine. Batman and Robin. Yeah, that's a movie that he would top build. <laughs> Is he? Oh, yeah. Top build in that movie, Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger. I have... Oh, God. Okay, I think, I, I think I'm okay. Didn't he do a movie that Stallone directed? Did he? I could be totally wrong about oh, that. Oh, one of like the newer ones? I don't know. Oh, oh, um... Uh, what is it? Escape plan? Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah, there it is. Escape plan. Or I'll just say it. Maggie. Maggie. I knew it was Mandy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I started with an yeah, A. I, I always something. confuse them too. Yeah. Uh, you got more? Yeah, I have two more. It's not a brain tumor. It's not a tumor. Oh, man, I hate to do this. <laughs> oh, I hate to do this so much. I don't want to lose on Arnie. This is a two out of three, though. So this oh, would be this it. is for all the marbles. Yeah. Schwarzenegger. Damn. Damn, there's uh, there's other ones that came out around the same same time as Escape Plan. Yeah, I know. That I just am not thinking of. Oh, I got yeah. Okay, now I have three. Now that you say it, <laughs> I just inspired you. Some, yeah. yeah. Um. Oh man, I think I'm tapped. Really? I think I'm tapped. He didn't do another Verhoeven movie. No, I don't think so. No. Uh. quit damn shoot last stand yeah that's what it was yeah um, yeah yeah this, that and escape plan are the same movie yeah 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 what else uh a film called around the world in 80 days he's in that yeah is he yeah okay yeah what else what was that other one i just i had it on my head but i forgot it now <laughs> sabotage sabotage oh god they all escape plan the last stand and sabotage all came out within a year of each other shit yeah. all right oh and the last action hero was my other one. Oh, of course i'm an idiot Ugh. i hate this game good job <laughs> dave dave Dave? What the hell is Dave? Twins! Oh, God, no! Oh, twins. Raw deal. Did we yeah. do We did okay, I think. We did all right. Okay. That wasn't terrible. I was going to say, uh, um, I may not get the most votes on uh, <laughs> the Discord, but I'm glad that I usually win this one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody, for... Uh making you sit through that. We have to go to dinner now. Yep. I love you. <laughs> Until next time, you've all been so very, very naughty. Happy spooktacular. Naughty.